and keep your Bibles open to Judges chapter 6 because that is our text for today. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father, we ask that as we open your word that we may hear you speak to us. That you would apply your word to our particular situation today. You know our hearts, you know our lives, you know what we need. So we're asking you to teach us and guide us with your word today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. On Sunday mornings, we're in a series we're calling Wonderful Counselor because the Bible tells us that God himself is the Wonderful Counselor. He is the one who can help us in our times of need. What we are studying are the 16 case studies from the Bible itself where God counsels an individual with a problem. Today we're coming to the situation of the call of Gideon. And as we look at Gideon's problem, it seems as though he kind of has what they used to call an inferiority complex. How many of you didn't like algebra? Is there any? I, I want... because. I don't, I don't know if I liked it or not. I could never figure out what it was. <laughs> Why was X? And I, I, it, was, it was confusing to me. I found myself very inadequate for some of the academic challenges of my life. I have often faced various situations in my life and said... I don't think I've got what it takes. I just don't think I can do this. And one of the th smart things that mature people do is they stay out of areas that they're not good at and kind of concentrate on some things that they are better at. Uh, but God has given us some things to do. And how are we going to do them? Gideon was given the task of delivering his nation from the oppression of the people of the desert that would sweep in. The Jewish people would plant their crops, and as soon as they begin to grow and produce the fruit and the vegetables, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the sons of the east would come riding in on their camels, pitch their tents all over the land, bring all their animals with them, eat everything in sight, steal all the animals, and then take off again. It got so bad that some of the Jews became cavemen. You know, some people say, were there cavemen? Yeah, this text tells us that down through the history of mankind, there have been times so bad that people ended up living in caves. If you travel to Israel as I have, you'll see that there are caves all over the land of Israel and down through history, people lived in them. Gideon was one of those cavemen. Uh, he was in fear of the Midianites and what was happening. He was threshing his wheat in a wine press. Usually you would thresh your wheat up on a hilltop where the wind would carry the chaff away, but... He's there under the oak tree by the wine press, scared to death, trying to thresh out a little wheat as best he can, 
for fear that the Midianites will steal it. It's kind of like when you work all week and then somebody steals your paycheck. That ever happen? I remember I was at age 16 working in a pharmacy in, in Bayonne, New Jersey, and the pharmacist would always give me change of a, a $20 bill to go out and make the deliveries and get paid. And, and on my trip on my bicycle from several blocks away back to the pharmacy, that $20 bill they gave me disappeared. I don't know where it went. I went back several times. I just couldn't find it. Went back and told Mr. Schultz that I had lost his $20 bill. He said, okay. And I thought, well, that was easy. (laughs) Then it was payday. (laughs) That week, yes, I had made $20.10, and so he handed me a dime. Because it wasn't his $20 bill I lost, it was mine. Yeah, that's hard when you work and work and work, and then somebody steals what you've worked for. Up there in Pennsylvania, probably doesn't happen here, but we had neighbors around Christmas time. They had all their wrapped gifts under the tree and, and their house all decorated for Christmas. And they were both at work and kids were at school and somebody backed the truck up to their house and loaded up everything of value in their house and took off. And they came home and it was all gone. That's a nasty feeling, especially in the days before insurance. That was the situation in which Gideon found himself. Verse 6 says that Israel was very low. Do you know how low they were? They prayed. And some people have to get pretty low before they pray. You say, well, we should pray. Is it that bad? Because some people don't pray until there isn't anything else they can do. But when we walk with God, we start with prayer, we pray our way through everything, and we thank God when it's done because we recognize that without Him we can do nothing. Nothing. But Israel had gotten so low that they cried out to the Lord. And before, whenever they cried out to the Lord in their troubles, He would send them a judge. And this judge would go like Deborah, the one before this, and fight a battle and get their enemies away. But this time, God sends a prophet. We don't even know his name. But a prophet comes, a nameless prophet comes and reminds them of the Mosaic Covenant, the law of God. And God said, I've taken you out of Egypt. I've brought you into the promised land. I've driven out your enemies. I've given you this land. This is your place. But there's one thing you've got to do. Don't worship the gods of the people of this land. Worship me only. But they were tempted. They were tempted to go along with the culture around them. They were farmers. And the people of the land, the Canaanites, worshipped Baal, who they thought was in charge of the weather. And if you're a farmer, you care very much about the weather. And so some of them started going to the Baal temples and offering sacrifices to Baal. Oh, they still worshiped the Lord, but they thought it didn't hurt to have a little insurance and to worship the Baal God. And they got away from the unique worship of Jehovah, the true God. So the Lord shows up in the person of the angel of the Lord, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, who comes and sits under the oak tree in 
Ophrah. It's not Oprah, it's Ophrah. You have to keep this all straight. And there Gideon is nearby the oak tree threshing his wheat in the winepress. And the angel of the Lord addresses Gideon who's threshing his wheat. All of a sudden this angel is sitting there and says to him, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Well, Gideon didn't feel like a valiant warrior. He thought, who came in? Is he talking to me? I'm no valiant warrior. What a powerful word that was. The word valiant warrior, gibor in the Hebrew, comes from a verb that means to be strong, to prevail, to be valiant. Powerful for war. Nimrod was spoken of with this word. The Nephilim, the giants, were powerful in this way. Goliath, Saul, Jonathan, David's elite troops, and even angels are spoken of as being gibor, valiant warriors. In Isaiah 9-6, it is used of God Himself, the mighty God, the word mighty, gibor. And so, it's a powerful word. Imagine all the superheroes. Don't the young boys like the superheroes? Especially around Halloween. My grandson, he had this, he had this Spider-Man outfit that had like really big muscles in it. You know, was part of the outfit. I was like, wow. But he, he wears it year-round. You know, it's not just Halloween. He puts that thing on any chance he gets and looks in the mirror and is very impressed with himself. Well, we live in a world of superheroes in which children imagine themselves being powerful warriors. But the Lord says to Gideon that he is a powerful warrior. In verse 14, the Lord says to him, go in this your strength. The Hebrew word is koach. It's used of the strength of an ox. It's used in Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. The Lord does something very similar with us. I'd like you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 because God has spoken of New Testament believers in a very similar way. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. Paul called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Sothenes our brother to the church of God, which is in Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who in every place call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in Him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with His Son Jesus Christ, our Lord. To just read that part, you would think that the church of Corinth was like everything a church ought to be. But when you read the book, you go, whoa, I don't know if I would join that church. 
You know, the services are total chaos. They're getting drunk at the communion service. They're all fighting over personalities of leaders. There's incest in this church that has not been confronted. There's no church discipline. I mean, the church at Corinth was a rowdy, awful place. I don't know if I... I was passing a a church in Washington, D.C., the Corinthian Baptist Church, and I thought, I don't know if I would name my church that. (laughs) It just sounds a little negative. But as many problems as the people of the church at Corinth had, he begins by calling them saints. And that's what he did with you the day you got saved. He called you a saint. He put that name upon you. And now he's putting the quality of sainthood into you. That's what he does. He's so gracious. He calls us saints and then he makes us saints. That's God's way. God called Gideon a mighty warrior, and then God made him into a mighty warrior. That's God's grace. That's God's call. God puts His name upon us, and then He puts the quality into us. Then Gideon explains to the Lord why he's picked the wrong guy. He's got three reasons why God has made a big mistake in calling Gideon to free the people of Israel. Going back now to Judges 6. And if we would simply mention these three problems Gideon has, it's the why question, the where question, and the how question. The first reason Gideon gives, he says, Verse 13, I don't even understand why all this bad stuff is happening to us. He says, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? One reason why many people do not serve God is that they can't figure out why bad things have happened to them. One lady went to Dr. John MacArthur and said, Uh, Pastor, I'm going to start serving the Lord as soon as I solve all my emotional problems. And he said, you won't live that long. Many people want to figure out what's going on. It's like the man in a burning building at the window and there's a ladder and the fireman's up there and he says, get on the ladder, sir! And he says, I'm not coming out of this building till I figure out who started the fire. It's like, wait a minute. No, later on we can do that. But right now you're in a burning building. Right now God has called us to serve Him. And some of us are so embroiled with the why questions. and Why did this happen to me? Why is this going on? Why, 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 why? And we say, God, tell me why. And as we saw with Job last week, God doesn't tell us a lot of the answers to why. Maybe someday we'll understand, but that is not a reason uh, to consider ourselves the wrong person. God has called us to Himself to salvation, and then He has called every one of us who are saved to service. But many times, like Gideon, we say, you know, as soon as I can figure out what's going on. 
Now, Gideon should have known what was going on if he was paying attention to the prophet. Because God had sent a prophet who was telling them why the Midianites and the Amalekites and the sons of the east had come in and stole everything. Right there, he sent a prophet. Here was his message. He says, I delivered you from the hand, verse 9, from the hands of the Egyptians, from the hands of all the oppressors, dispossessed them before you, gave you their land, and I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not obeyed me. Gideon should have known why his nation was losing this battle, why for seven years they had had their crops and their animals destroyed. Because it was what God exactly had said in the Mosaic Law. That's what He had warned them about. He said Israel has sinned. That's why this has come upon you. God had told them that if they did not obey Him, that enemies would come in and steal their crops. His next question is the where question he says where where are all his miracles which he did our fathers told us about saying did not the lord bring us up from egypt but now the lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of midian the second reason gideon knew that the lord had chosen the wrong man was that god's not doing any miracles today Now, we do live in a world where many people, if you have a problem, if you lose a loved one or you uh, get sick or get cancer or something, they'll say, well, I'll keep you in my prayers, right? Anybody ever say that to you? I'll keep you in my prayers. I'm not sure exactly what that means other than they're really nice people and they want to be sympathetic. It's one thing to say, I'll keep you in my prayers, and it's quite another thing to pray in faith. For one another. Jesus said, Ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. I am so excited when people tell me that God has answered their prayers. I've been hearing about some answers to prayer here at Wake Chapel Christian Church. Nothing excites me more than hearing people tell me that God has answered their prayers. Because so often we think, well, you know, all that miracle stuff in the Bible is really great, but that was all way back then. Now it's different. God doesn't do that kind of stuff anymore. I want to tell you, I believe in divine healing. I believe that God heals in answer to prayer. I believe God helps in answer to prayer. Now, He doesn't always heal in answer to prayer, and He doesn't always do what we want Him to do. Amen? But I'll tell you what, God is still able to heal. Nothing is too hard for Him. And we ought to ask Him. Now, even Jesus in the garden, He prayed three times that the cup might pass from Him, But then he yielded and he said, not my will, but thine be done. And we have to pray that way. But it's not wrong to ask that the cup be taken away from us. It's it's good to trust God for one another, for our own needs. James chapter 5, we were studying uh, for a few minutes on Wednesday night. We were looking at how the Bible tells us if you're sick, you should pray. If you're really sick, 
You should call for the elders, the pastors of the church to pray for you. And that God will raise you up if you pray in faith. I believe the thing that is missing so often in our prayers is faith. When I counsel people, I often ask them, so what have you done about your problem? And, and, I'll, and they'll all, always, almost always say, I've been praying about this like day and night. But my question then is, how are you praying about this? Are you just crying out to God? That's good. Cry out to God. Pour out your heart before Him. Tell Him all your needs. But at some point, you need to begin trusting God for that situation. Believing God. Finding a promise from His Word and clinging to it. Ask, seek, and knock. In practical terms, what that means is, when I have a problem, I ask God to help me with it. But it doesn't stop there with just asking. I begin seeking. That is, I open my eyes and I look around for the answer. I start seeking the answer. I start looking for God. I believe that God is at work in my life. And I believe when I pray, He is released to work in my life. I begin looking for His work in my life. And I seek that. And when I see what God is doing in answer to prayer, then I knock on that door and I enter that area because I know that God is doing that in answer to prayer whether it's in witnessing, whether it's in service, in ministry, in family, in financial needs, in physical healing, whatever it is. Don't just ask, but seek in faith. That's where we exercise a faith is in the seeking, looking for the answer. And then we knock, we enter into the door that God has opened for us in answer to prayer. Don't buy this stuff that all the miracles are back in the Bible times once upon a time in the olden days. God is at work today. He is saving souls. He is opening doors of ministry. He is healing people. He is helping people. He is providing needs. He is answering prayer. God is doing miracles today. Trust Him for miracles that only He can do. I have witnessed people who had various serious cancer. I've seen God heal people with cancer. There was no explanation other than that God had answered prayer. I've also seen people that I prayed for with cancer that died from cancer. But I believe in trusting God. I believe in seeking the answer and knocking on that door. Gideon had the idea that all the miracles were in the past. Don't be that way. Believe God for miracles today sadly enough the people that are in charge of the nation of israel today have taken that approach sadly enough the zionists who are running the nation of israel who established the nation of israel were people who after the holocaust basically said we're not waiting for the messiah we're gonna have to do this ourselves one of the shocking things about visiting israel is the unbelief among the jewish people Many of them are atheists and agnostics. They don't even believe in the God of Israel. They follow a cultural, religious, ethical religion. But they believe if it's going to happen, we're going to have to do it ourselves. So many Americans are that way. We're going to do it ourselves. That's why there's a Home Depot, you know? And we want to do everything ourselves. But I'll tell you what, there are things that we cannot do. 
and we need God's help before, during, and after every situation in our lives. If there was anything I could do over again, if I were to raise my children over again, it would be to pray more specifically for them and more regularly for them. Yes, prayer. Trusting God to do miracles in people's lives. I've seen Him do it. Every time somebody gets saved, it is a miracle because the dead are coming to life and the blind can see. The third reason why Gideon knew that the Lord had picked the wrong guy is verse 15, the how question. <laughs> how shall, oh Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? How shall I deliver Israel? You've got the wrong guy. Number one, you've got the wrong family. We're the, the smallest family in our tribe. And I'm the youngest guy in my family. How many of you are the youngest child in your family? Anybody here? Yeah? You know what that's like. Yeah, you're last in line. But... Uh, and, and he knew. He said, I don't have the authority. It would take a huge army. Nobody's going to listen to me. My older brothers don't even listen to me. You know? How am I going to get an army and win a battle when nobody in my family even, pay, they still call me the baby, you know, or whatever it is. I'm the youngest. We're the smallest. I can't do this. Reminds us of the story of the choosing of the king by Samuel. All the sons of Jesse came before him and they looked good. But God said no. And he's like, that's all the sons you get? Well, we got David, but, you know. He's out taking care of sheep. He's, oh, that's the one God chose. And then, when he's going to build a dynasty on David... And God says, I'm going to raise up a house and you're, you're going to be on the throne and your, your sons are going to rule the nation of Israel and the world forever. What does David say? He sits down and he says, who am I? You ever been in who's... Anybody remember who's who? You get a letter in the mail. You have been listed in who's who. And if you'll pay us way too much money for a copy of the book that has your name on it on page 347 in very small print, uh, then uh, you can be in who's he or who's who. Yeah, I was in who's he, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, David was that way. He said, who am I? Who am I? You remember when God called Moses at the burning bush? He said, I can't do that. They won't listen to me. Besides, I can't even speak. You're giving me a speaking part in this play and I can't talk. God says, all right. Aaron can be the speaker, but I'm calling you to lead the people out of Egypt. Yes. God seems to choose the least and the worst. We were in Israel on one tour, and in previous trips we'd gone on these big metal boats on the Sea of Galilee, but on this particular tour, I don't know, what they, they set us up with this little rickety wooden boat and these rather rough-looking characters were, were manning this boat. And I thought, oh boy, and I brought this group of people with me. I hope they're going to be okay. And, and we're looking, and these guys are kind of rough, and we're getting out there. And then it struck me. These are the very kind of men that Jesus chose to found his church upon. Fishermen on the Sea of Galilee, you know? You say, couldn't he do any better than that? You know, 
Somebody said to C.S. Lewis, you know, Christians don't seem like very capable people. They don't seem like very good people. He says, you should have seen them before they were saved. <laughs> God has a way of choosing the least. He chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. He chooses the least of us. Look with me at 1 Corinthians 1.26. 1 Corinthians 1.26 where he gives us the reason why he does this kind of thing. Why he chooses the people with the low IQ, the people with physical handicaps, the, the people who don't have the opportunities for education and advancement that others have. Why does he choose those kind of people to save and to call them to serve him? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26. Consider your calling, brethren that were, there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, God has chosen the things which are not so that He may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God." And then down in verse 31, he let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Why does God choose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise? So that no one will glory in self, but all will glory in God. Why did God choose you? Why did God choose me for salvation and for service? Because if anything miraculous happens, everybody know, will know that it was God that did it. Amen? Because it was just us, ordinary people. And he chooses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God is able to make a straight lick with a crooked stick. Some people say, well, the Bible must be full of errors because it was written by men. The Bible was written by men. In fact, it was written by sinful men. It was written by sinners. Yes but it was written by God who moved sinners whom God had declared holy and made holy men. He moved them so that what they wrote is the fully inspired Word of God in every jot and tittle and word. This book is a miracle book because God used crooked Sticks to make a straight lick. This is God's true and eternal and right word. We're coming up to Christmas. I love Christmas. God took a young lady who admitted her need for a Savior and through her, the best sinner around, he brought his sinless son into the world. Through Mary, Jesus, the God-man, was brought into the world. The Catholic Church tries to make her something other than one who needed a Savior. They try to make a Savior out of her. But no, no. She says, my soul rejoices in God, my Savior. God is able to save sinners, to sanctify sinners, and to cause sinners to serve Him acceptably because God is the one who does it all. And when He does it all, 
the glory goes to him. So what does that mean? We need to be like Gideon and say, you got the right guy. You right, got the right girl. You got the right lady, the right man, the right young people, young person, the, the right child. Yes, I'm Lord. I'm you, Lord. And when we lay our bodies as living sacrifices on the altar in gratefulness for His great salvation, then He begins to use us in mighty ways. He brings about the miracle of salvation through our lives. He answers prayers for us. He shows His miraculous power in our world, in our situations, today, here and now. Let's bow in prayer. Father, forgive us when we, like Gideon, have made excuses for why we can't serve You. Forgive us for being all wound up and our questions and problems, for looking to our own weaknesses, our own lack of strength, our own lack of wisdom. Forgive us, Lord, for being so self-centered and, and just wrapped up in ourselves. Help us to look to You. Help us to believe You. Help us to trust You. I pray for any who have never trusted in You for salvation, that they would believe in Jesus who died for us and rose again and be saved today because we cannot save ourselves. Only You can save us when we trust in Jesus. But for those who are believers today, I pray, Lord, that You'd help us to stop looking at our own inadequacies, our own faults, our own failures, our own lack, and look to You in Your power, Your wisdom, Your grace, and your goodness. Help us to learn to trust you for the miracles that we need to be the people that you want us to be. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mark Acuff will come to lead us in prayer, and then we'll sing together, God be with you, till we meet again. Mark. Would you bow and, and pray with me, please? <clears throat> Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we've had today to worship here as a congregation. And thank you for the encouragement that that brings to our hearts. I ask that you would give us courage, Lord, to be not only hearers of the word, but doers as well. And as we've heard today, by ourselves we can do nothing, but with God all things are possible. Thank you, Father, for... The ministry that Dan and Diane Peters bring to us, it's encouragement to our heart. We ask you to bless them richly. We thank you for the pastoral search committee and the sacrifices that they make. We ask you to give them guidance and wisdom as they look for a full-time pastor. Father, we ask you to prepare the heart of the minister that is to come here. You already know who it is. And Father, we ask you to prepare our hearts to receive the ministry that is to come. Father, we're a needy, needy people. Many are sick. And for those folks, we ask you to be the great physician. Many in here grieve. And for them, we ask you to be comfort. And all of us, Lord, all of us are in need of spiritual 
we have spiritual needs. And for that, we ask you to be our great counselor, as we have heard, and to be our savior. Take away our pride, Lord, and help us each one to be hands and feet and voice and hug and words of Jesus to those around us. Take us away from our own focus and let us focus on you so that we can serve others. Today, we're thankful for our mission of the week, and we ask you to bless Transport for Christ. Thank you for Steve Johnson and the work that he does. What a blessing it is to have him right here in our congregation. Father, for their financial needs, their uh, prayer needs, for their, um, for the needs, every logistical need that they have, we ask you to bring it to our hearts and to our minds and let us be faithful to serve them. Thank you for the privilege that we have to do that and to serve you through it. We don't know what this week holds, but we know that you hold this week. No matter what it brings to us, Father, let us face it with, uh, with the spirit of freedom and courage that you give to us and without fear. Whatever it is, you've known from eternity past what this week is. Let us walk in faith through it because you have walked before us. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who was and who is and who is to come. Amen.